We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. Don't forget to rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify. We keep seeing your Apple reviews and five-star ratings coming uh, in. They're they're much appreciated. Keep them coming, uh, boys and girls. This show today, by the way, presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC, and they will match your first deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. The week one NFL lines have been up for a while. Washington's a four-point favorite over Jacksonville. The total is 44. Um, so that isn't that far away. And by the way, can't come quickly enough, Tommy, with this back and forth between Congress and Dan Snyder from wherever he is today. Uh, but go to my bookie uh, and sign up. Uh, it's totally trustworthy. They've got solid lines, fair pricing. You can't beat it. Uh, MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag. What's up, Tom? How you doing? I'm doing okay, boss. Doing okay. Getting getting closer and closer to our beach annual uh, family beach vacation, which means next week I'll be heading to Spokane to uh, get my granddaughter and bring her back. <laughs> You're, are so, you excited uh, about that? Uh, of course I'm excited course, about that. It's yeah. my granddaughter. Of Why course. wouldn't I be excited about that? I just saw her in April yeah, I when know. we did the uh, ill-fated trip to uh, Universal Studios <laughs> in Florida. Yeah. Tr- but, uh, the airlines made amends. The airlines made amends yeah. to you. They did okay. Yes, they did. I'm not looking for. I'm not looking forward to flying because I keep reading the nightmares. I'm not flying on a weekend, but there's no direct flight to Spokane, which means you know uh, I have to uh, you know have a stopover, and that's when things go wrong. So uh, I'm not looking forward to the tension of waking up and waiting for my flights to be canceled. I know. I know. Uh, flying's not easy. And that's a long flight, too. Um, that's a long, yeah. long day uh, and a half, I'm sure. Um, our, our, uh, a listener, How about you? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. Uh, we have a, a listener, a longtime listener, and someone we both know, um, John, who said, um, Lavero walks into a giant, asks, where's the crumb cake? And then is wondering why... 
Sheehan would wonder why he would also ask, who founded this store? <laughs> Who's the well, owner of this place? Who are the founders? And by the way, where's my crumb cake? Where's my crumb cake? That's one of the things I do before we go to the... I only eat crumb cake when we're on vacation. I mean, because, I mean, I, I couldn't get through a door if I bought it, you know, when I was at home the, the whole time. So, uh, but they're hard to come by, you know. Crumb cakes are? I mean, the, the, yeah, they are. I mean, I have to do a store locator uh, search before we leave, and I make sure I bring it with us to the beach because you can't get it down there. They're very hard to come by. Oh. You get the little ones now. They have these come little on. mini crumb cakes. You're going to tell me you can't okay. go to a shop right in New Jersey and get a crumb cake? Tough. They're hard to come by. I mean, look, wouldn't I know? Yeah, you I'm would, but, but crumb, crumb cake's such a, such a northeastern you know, thing. It's like I'm, I, I would guarantee I you I could walk into a food town or a shop right if you want to have me list all the supermarkets in New Jersey, an A&P, any, any other, uh, a King Cullen, any of the supermarkets. That was Long Island. Uh, I could walk into and find a crumb cake. You know who's got great crumb cake? Balducci's has a great crumb cake. I picked one up, I don't know, it was maybe a month, month and a half ago. I happened to have been out there because the Balducci's on Old Georgetown Road in Democracy in Bethesda is right near my mother's house. And so I had dropped off something at her house, and Balducci's is is excellent. You know, it's just way overpriced, in my opinion. It's like you're paying... 15% above what you pay at Whole Foods and 25% above what you're paying at Giant or Safeway. Um, but they do have some really good things and their bakery is outstanding. And I happen to have just been looking around and there was this, I, I don't, uh, it was a Balducci's uh, made product because it wasn't like a brand that they had brought in from somewhere else. It was in kind of an orangish box and it was a crumb cake, Tommy. It was a crumb cake slash coffee cake. Would you say that the two are different, or are they? Are, are, are crumb cakes and coffee cakes the same? Well, I mean, you can get like French crumb cake, you know, without the white powder on it. There's there's different kinds of crumb cake. I like the simple white powdered crumb cake. The white powdered with so, the with the the hard kind of brownish sugar stuff on yes. the you know the yellowish cake kind of a thing. Yeah, Th- this one yes. was That's, and I I, yeah. I used to, I used to growing up in Brooklyn, there was a bakery called Ebinger's. Okay, okay, and it's a le- it's it's out of business now, but it was a legendary Brooklyn bakery, and that's where I first started eating crumb cake was at Ebinger's, and my, my parents were glad to buy it for me because it was something besides peanut butter that I would eat. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You still eat a lot of peanut butter. Um, so they were glad to buy it for me. <laughs> this, this crumb cake slash coffee cake had like a, um, you know, kind of a, a swirl of cinnamon something going through it. And I'm telling you, it was the best coffee crumb cake I have ever had. So there is a recommendation. Balducci's, the crumb cake, it's either a crumb cake or a coffee cake or uh, both combined. It's like in an orange box with like brown trim, and it was spectacular. And I can't imagine 
that it's stop and shop or shop right or somewhere in Jersey near the beach where you're going to be, you won't be able to find they're one. They're gone. I can't believe they're, they're they're hard to come. Okay, that's it. That, no, I'm making it up. No, I'm going to look right now. I guarantee you, Shoprite's got coffee cakes. Come on, you're just not looking hard it's not enough. Not a coffee cake. You're too concerned cake. about who owns the Shoprite. Stop asking well, all the I, questions about ownership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coffee cakes at Shoprite are available right there on Instacart. You can get them. You know, it's not a coffee cake. It's a crumb cake. Okay, hold on, crumb cake. Yeah, I put in coffee cake. Enterman's crumb cake. Yeah, crumb cake. It has to be. Yeah. Oh, you like Enterman's. En- yeah, en- Enterman's. Yeah. Uh, Shoprite has Enterman's crumb cake. Classic crumb cake. It's certainly available through Shoprite on Instacart and their delivery service. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, there's like zero chance that Shoprite doesn't have a crumb cake, and, and it's somewhere in their store. And the, and I would I would in, bet in Wildwood in Wildwood, New Jersey. <laughs> I haven't been into the Wildwood, New Jersey short store, but you know what? In all seriousness, Tommy, Shoprite in my old old business uh, when we were you know dealing with supermarket chains, Shoprite was one of our very first clients. Safeway was one of our early clients, and Shoprite and Waldbaum's in Shoprite in New Jersey, throughout New Jersey, and then Waldbaum's on Long Island. They were among our first clients. Um, Waldbaum's actually ended up being purchased and they were owned by A&P. But ShopRite was a cooperative. They were all individual owners that would, you know, some owners had more than one store. Um, some owners had 7, 8, 15, 20 stores. But they were a cooperative where they would essentially pull all of their money together for advertising and, you know, centralized accounting, etc. But anyway, they, we, we, we dealt with a bunch of owners. And I swear to God, there was like a, a two-year period where I probably went into a hundred shop rights in New Jersey. Wow. And knew, wow. you know, all of the, you know, owners and the store managers. And then, you know, because my in-laws, you know, uh, and my father-in-law, you know, lives in New Jersey and, and I spend a lot of time up, you know, north of where you are in the Spring Lake, Belmar, um, you know, area, um, you know, always walking into a shop, right. To pick things up. Although, you know, now they've got like Wegmans and stuff up there as well. But, um, uh, Shoprite was was a tough man. They were they they, they were t- tough operators. You couldn't mess around with them. If you did, if you got something wrong, you were gonna hear it. They were not bashful. Most of those owners, but they were they were they were good guys uh, for the most part. Um, but God, I spent a lot of time in Shoprite and Entenmann's. You know, I always liked en- Entenmann's products. I don't think I loved the Entenmann's classic crumb cake, which I'm looking at right now in Shoprite via Instacart. But you know what I always liked? I always liked their donuts, like those chocolate donuts with the yellow uh, cake, um, the, you know, the chocolate mini ones in particular. I always thought they were good, and I thought their chocolate chip cookies were pretty good. That's good. I don't eat donuts. I'm trying to think. And there was, God, Entenmann's was so popular there for a while. I can't remember the last yeah. time I bought an Entenmann's product. There used to be an Enterman's uh, factory outlet, outlet store. Outlet, yes. Right up, right, right up from the 980. Exactly. On, on, on Rockville, on Rockville Pike. Pike. There yes. was. Yeah. They're right, all... ne- right near Signature Cigars, where I used to go smoke sometimes. I... Uh, there was like an Enterman outlet right at the end of the shopping center. You know, I think there was a Pepperidge Farm outlet, too. 
Or no, 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 no. But the I, pet, the Pepperidge Farm outlet was in Bethesda, in Glen Echo. There used to be many. It's been a, a long time since it was there. But there was a Pepperidge Farm outlet or factory store or whatever you called them, Pepperidge Farm store, yeah. which was. I mean, Pepperidge Farm is great. I mean, I've been eating Pepperidge Farm goldfish since I was a kid. Um, and then, you know, all of the Pepperidge Farm cookies are the absolute best. I mean, who doesn't eat boxes upon boxes of double dark chocolate Milanos? Uh, the double milk chocolates are pretty good as well. Okay, so you need to give out the address of the studio so when Enterman and Pepperidge Farm send their products, they get to the right place. Okay? I will. I'll do that for you. Um, okay. So I, I wanted to start. We'll get to the Dan Snyder stuff. We'll get to some other stuff. Tommy wrote a good column, an interesting column. I actually have some questions about the column, but I wanted to start with this. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, RG3. First of all, Steve Sands was on the show yesterday from St. Andrews, and Steve was great. Steve's such a good guest. I mean, I've told him that before, um, both, you know, when he's recording with us and, and off the air. And Steve's become a really good friend over the years and, you know, is a Montgomery County guy and he's done great. I mean, he is, you know, one of the lead golf voices on NBC and, and, and the Golf Channel. And he was calling this um, American Century uh, Celebrity Tournament last week in Lake Tahoe. And, you know, he told a lot of stories. He told a story, you know, about t- Tony Romo. Tony Romo's not real fond of Steve Sands because when Tony Romo won that event a few years ago, Sands made a comment on the air, you know, this is Tony Romo's biggest win of his career. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so Tony Romo the next time he saw him <laughs> was not very happy about that and um apparently has not really this has not really forgiven uh, Steve uh, for it. Uh, it would, did not think it was very funny. Um, but Steve also told a story about meeting RG3 this weekend. RG3, Tommy, if you don't know this, he finished dead last in this celebrity uh, 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 celebrity tournament out in Lake Tahoe. Excuse me. Um, and not only did he finish dead last, he finished dead last by miles. Like the, it, they use the Stableford scoring system. I know you're very familiar with that, but basically you get, um, you get I think three points for a birdie, one point for a par, you know, uh, zero points uh, for a bogey, and then anything less than bogey, it's like you know minus two, minus three, something like that. Whatever it is, Robert Griffin ended up minus eighty nine points. Um, Dylan Dreyer, who is the weather girl on NBC's Today Show, I think, she was the next to last. She was minus 72. She was 17 points better than Robert Griffin III, who his actual scores were 119 in round one, 99 in round two, and then 108 in round three. So he's an awful golfer, obviously. Um, Or maybe just a new golfer, which, you know, everybody who's new ends up shooting those big numbers. And But he's a big celebrity, so he was out there, and Steve said that he met him for the first time and that he was... Um, he was just, you know, he was very engaging and super nice and, you know, knew Steve by name and came up to him and introduced himself. And, 
and I and I said to Steve, I said, look, Tommy and I had the chance to meet Robert Griffin III on a couple of occasions. I remember specifically on two different occasions sitting down with him and recording interviews. I know one time it may have been with you, and one time it was by myself. Um, and he's really quite in in you know he's he's a charismatic figure. You know he he really is. There, he's got something to him, no doubt. I mean, and super confident in the whole thing. But anyway, uh, I, I, I'm just telling you about the conversation from yesterday. You remember some of those conversations. We had him on the show early on, and then they asked me to go out and record an interview with him that we ended up running on the show like the next day. Do you remember that? I vaguely remember that. I don't really remember. I only remember when it comes to RG3, I only remember our Pierre Garçon interview. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Where basically he trashed the quarterback, and then wouldn't and then wouldn't say shit about anything for the rest of the year. Well, the first Pierre was a paid guest to come on with us every week. It wasn't our choice necessarily. It was something the station worked out with Pierre's, you know, PR people. And day one, he just without much prompting either, he just totally trashed Griffin. And then he took major heat for it. And so the rest of the year, he barely, I don't think any answers went beyond like three words. He just was so protective. Yes, no, and I don't know. (laughs) Yes, Yes, no, and I don't know. That was pretty much it. It made for great radio. Uh, Not really. (laughs) So RG3 yesterday was on a podcast in San Francisco, the 49ers Talk podcast. And he was discussing Trey Lance, the, you know, more likely than not starting quarterback for the 49ers in the upcoming season and last year's, you know, top five pick by the 49ers. Um, And he was talking about him and said that, you know, I believe he's a dynamic player and he will take Kyle Shanahan to the places he wants to go. Uh, Lance gives Shanahan his first dynamic option at quarterback since myself, Griffin said. Um, And he had more to say. He said, quote, Kyle Shanahan's had the most success, not the most excitement, but the most success with guys like Matt Ryan and Jimmy Garoppolo, who you know are going to run the play and put the onus on the coach to have the system work. If it doesn't work, those guys are throwing the ball away and moving on to the next down. Guys like Trey Lance and myself, our talent takes over at times when the play's not there and you can make the coach right, meaning you can make the coach look good. I think that's what's going to take the Niners over the hump and give them the opportunity to win the Super Bowl, not just get to the Super Bowl. I just don't know when that's going to happen because we're not going to know the truth about Trey Lance for another two to three years. And then in discussing Shanahan more, he said Shanahan prefers the typical drop-back quarterback like Garoppolo or Ryan over somebody like Lance or myself because he's a control freak. Um, and with Lance, if he lets him freelance and make some plays, he will have what he called, quote, Shanahan will have what he called, quote, a growth moment, closed quote. He wants to control everything, quote, 
he wants to control every aspect of the offense. Maybe he's understanding that sometimes you need that guy to just make a play for you, closed quote. So then he gets into one of the most famous plays of that 2012 season. Maybe the most memorable play, positive-wise. You know, the Seattle injury probably was the most memorable uh, play of that season. But the 76-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter against the Minnesota Vikings, when Larry, you know, exclaimed, electrifying that run. And, you know, this came a few weeks after shock and awe, and it was, you know, it was full-on RG3 hysteria after that run. Well, he recalled that run in this interview, and he said, quote, that 76-yard touchdown run I had against the Vikings in 2012, I was dead wrong on that play, dead wrong. We had a blitz up the middle. I thought I was hot. I wasn't hot. I literally took a three-step drop, then ran to the left, and the rest is history. Matt Ryan's not going to do that. Jimmy Garoppolo is not doing that. Shanahan told Griffin the next day, during a meeting that he should have thrown the out route for a 10-yard gain and then moved on to the next play. That's what Garoppolo and Ryan would have done, uh, Griffin feels. Um, But uh, scramble for a big play, it's not what Kyle wanted me to do. He said, it's easier to build the offensive system that Kyle wants to run with guys like Garoppolo and Ryan because you know what to expect. With a guy like myself and Trey Lance, there's going to be moments where your talent just takes over or the play is not there and you see something take off and run. I think Kyle Shanahan Shanahan has realized that maybe his own kryptonite is his control. Maybe he needs to alleviate that a little bit. He's got a guy in Trey Lance who's extremely smart, extremely athletic, and has an extremely strong arm. He can run both systems. He can run what I ran and what Jimmy Garoppolo ran. That's what the 49ers need. So that was... Boy, that's a lot to consume. (laughs) That is a lot to consume and to try to do it intelligently because... Kyle Shanahan, let's face it, uh, as, as highly thought of as he is, uh, he's broken down in big moments in, in, in the biggest games. Well, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo missed a wide-open receiver in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl that would have put the Super Bowl away, and they would have won the Super Bowl against Kansas City. They had a double-digit lead in that game. They obviously had the 28-3 to lead against the Patriots with Matt Ryan as the league's MVP, and, you know, right. they they should have... You know, they should have run the ball and kicked the field goal there at the end, and they, they got a little bit, you know, overly uh, aggressive. And, and by the way, it was Brady on the other side. Um, y- y- look, you're not wrong. He has not won a Super Bowl as the key offensive architect in Atlanta or as the head coach in San Francisco. But, man, that offense in Atlanta that year got to the Super Bowl and had a 28-3 lead. And with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, they went to a Super Bowl uh, and nearly got back to another one last year. We're within a whisker know, in the people, NFC title game. People, people might say that Kyle Shanahan is a genius, and the only reason he hasn't won is because of Kyle Shanahan. Well, that's what Griffin's saying. He's saying his own. He's his own. His control is his kryptonite. 
His control freakishness. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, look, Griffin would not. I mean, I'm sure Griffin has an agenda. I mean, you know, he always does. Uh, I'm sure, but but he certainly would know more about Kyle Shanahan in, in those situations than you or I would. Definitely, I, and you know, there's actually a little bit of of some of, of an admission in some of his quotes at the very end when he says he can run both systems. He can run what I ran and what Jimmy Garoppolo ran. You know, almost for the first time, admitting that he's not Aaron Rodgers, that he was a specific kind of quarterback. You know, because remember, he didn't think he was that specific kind of quarterback, the one that, you know, tore up the league in 2012. He thought he was right. something much different. And, maybe you know, I think that, you know, looking back on it, including with the teams that later signed him, including Baltimore, Baltimore signed him, you know, and had him back up Lamar Jackson because the only way they felt he could play football was the way Lamar Jackson plays football. Um, so there's some, you know, self-awareness here. There's probably some legitimate criticism. I actually think that the, um, description of the touchdown run against Minnesota is interesting because, you know, I can see that play, um, in my mind. And when he said, I thought I was hot and I wasn't hot, um, you know, he got a lot of that wrong. You know, that was part of the problem. Now he was a rookie, you know, and he took a three-step drop and just ran. And Kyle said, yeah, but the 10-yard out was there. You should have taken that. And that's what we heard a lot of is like there was just a lot of missed opportunities. And they finally got to the point during that seven-game win streak down the stretch where they basically said, Look, it, you're gonna you're gonna read half the field, not the whole field. We're gonna go, you know, we're gonna simplify this. It's gonna be one, two, and then the checkdown is you, you know. And that's that was what the offense right. became very much on dropback stuff, you know, because he really yeah. wasn't very good at dropping back and reading the field and 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 delivering the ball. He was phenomenal on early downs when zone read was in play or, you know, in third and short, but on third and seven or longer, you know, they got to the point, Mike told us this, it was like, you know, this side of the field, boom, boom, not there, take off and try to make a play. And so they got to that point where they were like, just make a play. Um, But man, you know, that 2012 season, Tommy, incredible season. By the way, I wanted to mention, um, did you have anything else on the Robert Griffin III uh, comments? No. The other, no, I mean, he sounds like he's as bad a golfer as I am. And the handful of times I've golfed, uh, he's he's dreadful. Um, he was the worst player in in that entire field by by miles. Uh, the uh, but you know who knows? I mean, maybe he's it's because he's just a beginner. Um, everybody's horrible when they when they don't play. Um, it's a hard game. I mean, even people that play a lot are horrible. I'm not very good, and I play all the time. Uh, but, um, uh, so the other day you and I somehow got into a conversation about when we first knew that Dan Snyder was a terrible owner and that, you know, and, and I, and I told you it wasn't 2000. It was kind of, for me, you know, the firing Marty, I was really pissed, but you know, I kind of went back and forth over the years. And then finally at the end of the Shanahan regime, it was, it was over for me. I knew then this ain't ever going to work. You know, we are 13, 14 years into this thing. It's never going to work with him. Uh, it was the perfect mid-July phone segment. 
you know, one of those where it's like everybody had a different answer. And I, I could have probably taken calls for seven straight hours if I had wanted to. I did it for an hour and a half. And it was really interesting, um, the different things that people remembered and the things that people were triggered by and were like, yeah, this was the moment. And, and a lot of people thought in 2000 that was it. A lot of people remembered when he went into the locker room in 1999, his first season, and berated Norv in front of the whole team in Dallas and thought, you know, and that got publicity, if you recall, and thought that that was, uh, we got the wrong guy. I, I never remember feeling that way. Um, other people had, you know, different moments. Somebody reminded me of the Kansas City game during the Zorn year when basically the stadium emptied at halftime in a, you know, in a seven to six game. Um, and, you know, the, the bingo caller, they knew that, you know, they knew it was the end there. But, Somebody mentioned the following to me. They said it was over for them when there was a big discussion that Bobby Bethard was going to join Joe Gibbs when Gibbs came back in 2004, but they couldn't work out the money, and therefore Dan didn't hire Bobby Bethard to come back with Joe Gibbs. And the person said, I knew then Dan didn't want a general manager. He wanted to continue to be the general manager, and it was over. I don't remember that. Do you? Uh, I remember a little bit that there was discussion going on. I don't know how serious it was uh, and how much reporting there was on it. But uh, there was also the assumption that Joe really didn't want Bobby Bethard possibly around either. Well, they they definitely had grown apart towards the end when Bobby left to take the job in San Diego. Yes, Joe yeah. Joe wanted I Joe mean, wanted more control of of personnel. Right, he wanted more control. Now he may have let Vinny call a lot of shots, but that's only when Joe didn't want to. If Joe wanted a personnel move in his second go around, Joe made the personnel move. You know, so I don't think that I think that would have been a, con- a conflict if Bobby Bethard had been there. I I vaguely remember Bethard's name being thrown uh, around when Snyder bought the team. That's what I remember, and I am sure that over because t- I've had you know we had. I've had, you've had lots of conversations with Bobby Bethard over the years, not in recent years, um, but for many years we had conversations with Bobby Bethard, and I'm sure that I asked him along the way, and I just can't, I'm not remembering specifically the answer. The only thing that rings a bell for me is that when Snyder bought the team, he reached out to Bobby Bethard, but Bethard wasn't necessarily interested in working for Snyder after having a conversation with him. I mean, Bethard may have been the first one to know, um, you know, before anybody yeah. else did. Charlie Casserly certainly, you know, was uh, was fired. I mean, they the, he he essentially picked Norv over Casserly, um, and um, you know, Charlie probably had a sense before anybody else uh, had a sense. But I didn't remember Bethard and Gibbs um, together in two thousand four when. Snyder pulled off, you know, a magic, uh, uh, you know, magic trick by bringing Gibbs back. That would be way down on the list of things I would think would have been a trigger for somebody. Yeah, you know? there's so like, much. Like more. for me, for me, it was when Marty, 
like I said before, when Marty ripped him on the air during 2000, that's yeah. when I thought, well, I mean, if Marty's saying this, then there's something to it. Yeah. And then he wound up working for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for big money. All right. Uh, speaking of Dan, we'll go through the response from uh, Dan's attorney to Congress. I don't think anything's happened so far today, uh, but stay tuned. Uh, we'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This segment of the show presented by Window Nation. Beat the heat with Window Nation. You can save $200 off any style new window from Window Nation right now and pay nothing until 2024. You'll lower your energy bills and raise the value of your home if you call Window Nation at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and get new energy-efficient windows from Window Nation. Uh, so... Um, the British Open is going on, or the Open Championship. Tiger, by the way, is in the midst of a horrific uh, start to his round. But double bogeyed number one. There was so much anticipation uh, for this, and and I've watched some of it uh, here this morning. Uh, you know, you guys will know by the time you listen to this what his, um, you know, more likely than not, you'll know what his first round was. But it certainly looks like he is not um, going to make. Uh, you know, a cut. Uh, he'd have to. He'd have to go super low tomorrow because I think he's six over um, right now. Um, 
to make a, another cut. He did make the cut at the Masters. He did make the cut at the PGA Championship, the other two tournaments that he's played uh, this year. Uh, but looks like uh, it, Tiger uh, is really struggling on a course in which some players have torn it up here on day one. So, um, I have a question for you. Okay. If Tiger, uh, if, if this is Tiger, the rest of Tiger's career, playing in tournaments, making the cut, you know, sometimes having a moment here and there, but this is pretty much it. Is that painful or is that joyful? Well, what's, what, is, to, what to, is the, what is the, what's the moment here or there? Winning a tournament? Not winning. Oh. Not winning. Contending? Just, just maybe even a sniff of contending. But most of the time, not. But he still wants to play. He still likes playing. He likes being out there on the tour, and he still wants to play. Is that painful for you to watch, or do you still get joy out of watching him golf, not just golf and win? I don't get joy out of watching him golf. I'm not that kind of a Tiger fan. I get joy and I I enjoy when Tiger is contending, when it when Tiger is playing well and he's in the mix. If you tell me that that's never going to happen again, happen again, and that it's obvious and it's obvious to him, then he's not going to play. Because already I don't think he's physically capable of playing ever again on a regular basis. I don't, I don't know that to be a fact. He's certainly not physically capable of it now, uh, of playing on a regular basis. So the thought is now, you know, he'll tee it up at the majors that he can tee it up right. at. Maybe one or two other events during the course of the year. But he couldn't play the U.S. Open physically after, you know, withdrawing from the PGA before the final round because he, you know, obviously his leg, ankle, all that stuff from the accident is, you know, is a problem. Uh, St. Andrews is perfect for him, Tommy, because it's a flat track. There aren't big hills and uh, and 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 shots where you're hitting on you know inclines or declines. It's um, you know they, they, it's 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 a much easier course to handle physically. But I I I don't want to see Tiger just going through the motions and not making cuts and shooting. You know today he might shoot 77 or 78. You know and tomorrow you know let's say he even shoots you know 68. He won't make the cut more likely than not. Uh, if he's, you know, at that point, if he would be, that would be six under four, two over, um, you know, uh, maybe he will. I don't know what the cut number is going to be. But if he goes 78, 73, and that's like the best he can do, I don't want to see that. No, I don't want to see that. Okay. Um, I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll tell you what I do want to see this weekend. I want to see Rory win again. And, you know, he shot six under. Um, 66, and he's two off the pace uh, behind a rookie player, Cameron Young, who finished tied for third at the PGA and um, was playing golf this time last year, I think, at Wake Forest or two years ago. I think he may have played uh, the Corn Ferry Tour for a couple of years. Um, but I'd like to see Rory win his first major in forever. Um, that would be uh, that'd be fun to see this weekend. Okay, so um, Dan Snyder's attorneys uh, got back to – you know, I don't know if they got back by the noon deadline yesterday, um, but uh, they essentially said, um, yeah, Dan's going to appear on the 28th, uh, but he's not going to uh, appear uh, 
after accepting a subpoena. And we now know that, you know, congressional subpoenas really can't be um, served overseas, that that's not going to happen. A judicial subpoena, it's very rare that it can be served, you know, in another country, but not a congressional subpoena. So he's probably just going to keep, you know, uh, out of the country. He's you know, the, the, the letter back from the attorney, which actually was kind of an amusing letter. Did you read it or not? I didn't. I don't recall reading it. Okay. I just read the reports about it. Okay, because I do want to I want to read a, a couple of parts to it. But, you know, he's going to be in Israel um, celebrate. It's not ce- celebrating um, in, in a uh, commemorating commemorating. Excuse me. Um, thank you. Uh, the one year passing of his mother. Um, with his family, um, so that's where he was going. That's where he's going to be, and that's where they offered last week, um, where he would do a voluntary uh, Zoom uh, testifying from uh, from Israel. But you know, at this point, given that they're clearly trying to run the clock out uh, until November, but really until January, he's probably not right. coming back to the U.S. anytime soon. He, he the, the the lawyers that means. That means he- he won't be. He won't be at Ghost Town Field the whole season. I don't know if it's the whole season because the way Howard explains it, the way Neil explains it, the way you know the Wall Street Journal, and I was reading that article, kind of explain it is that you know if he was eventually served the subpoena when he if he came back to the states, there's still the process where they would try to quash it. And whether or not a judge expedited that process or it went normally, which can take weeks or months. Um, you know, they basically have to play it the right way where he comes back at a time where they know he'll be served, but they'll have time to have it go back and forth and appeal whatever, you know, the first judge says and get it to at least January when, you know, new Congress, you know, takes its seat. So yeah, it's really, it's very possible. He's just going to stay out of the country. Now this letter this letter back, you know, is another, you know, sure, he's ready to testify, but he's not going to testify because he's not going to accept the subpoena. And as the lawyer, um, her name, uh, Karen Patton Seymour from the law firm of Sullivan and Cromwell said, um, there is no legitimate need for a subpoena to Mr. Snyder. And she, there, there were several things in here that I went, I thought were kind of interesting, and I thought basically at least if you're, if you're keeping score as if this is you know a game, a public relations game, and whose letter is better, this was probably the best letter, because they called Congress out for um, demanding a subpoena when the original offer for him to testify in early June with Goodell on June 22nd was for a voluntary testimony. In fact, the, the Congressman Krishma Thori, um, you know, said the following, this was the, uh, this was the quote um, in early to mid June when talking about the June 22nd date. What I find often on Capitol Hill is that when a party comes forward voluntarily, as opposed to being subpoenaed, it ends up having a better chance of being able to explain the situation rather than events overtaking it. So they wanted a voluntary testimony at the beginning. They said he couldn't make it on the 22nd. They threw out other dates, um, and they are now saying, yeah, we'll do that date, but only if he accepts the subpoena. 
So they learned something about the Goodell or maybe in between the statements of wanting voluntary testimony that a voluntary testimony situation for him somehow has a chance of benefiting him. And they don't want that anymore. If not, they would just call his bluff and say, fine, you can do what we initially offered you the opportunity to do, and that is to testify voluntarily. But they're not doing that now. No, they're not. There was also this in the letter, the very end of the letter, Tommy. Um, The committee, it's the, the, the letter from Karen Patton Seymour, Dan's attorney. The committee released a statement from its voluntary interview of former cheerleader Abby Diamond Welch, in which Miss Welch apparently stated that an NDA prevented her from sharing information. That is simply false. Mr. Snyder never prevented Miss Welch from sharing information with the committee or in the independent investigation that was already conducted regarding these issues. And as to the incorrect assertion that the purpose of NDAs was to cover up misconduct, Miss Welch's own lawyers, who according to public reports also represent many or all of the former cheerleaders who spoke with the committee, authored an op-ed in the Washington Post in which they asserted that NDAs are essential to protecting women who have experienced harassment for a variety of reasons and that efforts to question the utility or propriety of NDAs are misguided and place women in a worse position, not a better one. That came from, Tommy, an op-ed on December 10th, 2019, in the Washington Post, called The Call to Ban NDAs is Well-Intentioned, but it puts the burden on victims. The co-authors, Deborah Katz and Lisa Banks. That's pretty good. That's they, a good catch. They went back and it's like digging up an old tweet from somebody. Oh, really? Yes, it is. Um, so if you're keeping score in this public relations back and forth, I think that this letter gave Snyder a slight second quarter lead. Because we're only in the second quarter of this thing, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if it did or not. But uh, that's a, certainly a good catch by them. Yeah, if it's true. I'm, Absolutely. I'm, assuming, I'm assuming they didn't make it up in this I'm letter. assuming since they actually make, <laughs> yeah. given the date of yeah. publication, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and yeah. I, and I think that the, the point that they hammer home, which is you didn't invite us initially um, with the requirement of a subpoena, uh, we didn't turn down your request. We just turned down your request for June 22nd because my client was out of the country at a meeting. We're willing to testify, you know, voluntarily. And they've changed their request. So the bottom line is he ain't testifying. I mean, because he's not going to accept the subpoena. They're not going to put him in, in position where there's a potential perjure, uh, a perjury uh, opportunity for him. So, I don't know. I'm so sick of this. Well, I don't think it's going away. Well, we'll and you ent- have three states. You have three states that are investigating the team and Snyder right now. Forget the congressional investigation. Mm-hmm. You've got D.C., Virginia, and Maryland right. who are all investigating them at the same time. You have the NFL. Mary Jo White. Mary Jo White 
investigation. Right. In addition to the congressional stuff. So this ain't going away. Yeah, but what if when you all know? of those things conclude, there's nothing there? Well, then there, then Snyder will will go on his merry way until until the next screw up. Yeah. Um, the Wall Street Journal, you know, our our favorite reporter, Andrew Beaton, the guy where you connected yes. the dots on the Gruden thing, the guy that wrote the embarrassing puff piece on Snyder like a year ago. Um, they had an yeah. interesting story, which I read last night, and I'll just I'll, I'll just sum it up. The, what Snyder is doing, staying out of the country to avoid a subpoena, is actually something that apparently is very rare. It's also very rare that a subpoena gets served abroad, um, and it's impossible to do it when it's a congressional, at least according to the journal, a congressional uh, subpoena versus a judicial subpoena. But they, they named a couple of things, including some guy during Iran-Contra that left the country. But they said that parking his yacht and taking it you know, through all these beautiful spots in the south of France and throughout the Mediterranean is not, you know, it's not something that happens very often. I would think that people running from potential subpoenas is a common thing. But apparently not. I guess not. I, I guess not, because uh, I think most times when you run from a subpoena, you're going to wind up in court sooner or later. Yeah, and if you get served a subpoena and you don't show up, you're in contempt. Yeah. And that's what, you know, by not accepting the subpoena, he can't be in contempt. Right. So there you go. You got anything else on this? Any, no, I don't. Any well, other, I don't have any other big on. predictions? No big predictions at this point. I still think there's a chance that he'll wind up getting served. Um, well, he's not going to get served unless he's back here. He'll get served the minute he shows up back here. How about, how about if it's in? Okay. How about if it's in the opener against Jacksonville in his suite? Uh, what's the ruckus up in the owner's suite? Oh, it's a couple of U.S. Marshals pounding down the door and handing him his subpoena. You know what? They could come dressed as plumbers to fix the latest leak at Ghost Town Field. <laughs> you know, they, that's that's a good disguise. That would be an excellent disguise. <laughs> just here to fix the leaks in the suites, Mr. Just Snyder. Here fix, just here to fix, fix the leaks, yeah. Mr. Who's Snyder. Who's there? That's it. Here to fix the leaks. There's another pipe to burst. We think we need to get in here. Oh, come on in. Uh, you Dan Snyder? I am here. Uh, yeah. Well, um, imagine. See, here's the other thing, too, because... This, of course, will somehow get blamed on the media, right? Um, they'll they'll be gearing up for the opener against Jacksonville, and then the big story will be Dan being subpoenaed for a September twenty third, uh, you know, uh, uh, a hearing in front of the House Oversight and Reform Committee, and then it'll be right, you know, right smack in the you know beginning of the season, taking attention away from that great team that they're going to have this year, and then everybody will be pissed about and that. The big- and the big showdown with Jacksonville. The big showdown with Jacksonville. I'm, I, Carson Wentz's revenge game. His big revenge game. Tommy wrote a column. We're going to talk about that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Chase Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk about your column to finish up the show um, because there are a couple of old Washington Redskin names in it. Why don't you tell everybody what you wrote about? Well, uh, you know, Tim Johnson, who was the defensive tackle on that last Super Bowl team for the Redskins and played for the, the team for about five years and had a good NFL career, a 10-year NFL career. Actually, he made the Pro Bowl once uh, while he was here in Washington. Uh, he uh, is a minister down in Orlando, Florida, and a very active minister. He's He's been in the news before for some of the uh, events and programs that he's run. Uh, he actually walked from Pensacola to South Beach one time just to uh, conduct prayers with public officials in various towns. Uh, so he's an interesting guy, and somehow he had this vision about he, he's on this crusade now to teach young black men in particular about the issue of fatherlessness, about growing up without a father figure right. and the impact that has on, on them. And uh, it came to him that he felt, for no other word than a vision, a religious vision, that he needed to go up to Rikers Island, one of the worst prisons in the country, to do this work. And uh, he got a one-way ticket to New York, started meeting with uh, prison officials up there. It's a jail, actually. It's not a prison, because um, a lot they're called detainees at Rikers, because uh, the, the detainees are either there awaiting trial, awaiting sentencing, or on short sentences. Is Rikers, so Island, is Rikers Island in the Bronx, or um, where it's is it? It's in the middle of the East River. Okay in the middle of be- between Queens and the Bronx, Got I it. think. Uh, and uh, he managed to convince them to let him in uh, inside Rikers Island to conduct a program for de- detainees who would be interested in what they have to offer in this program to recognize the impact of fatherlessness. And it turns out he had a former teammate with him, Art Monk. Yeah who uh, is a member of Tim's church in Orlando and still very close to Tim. So Art Monk and Tim went up to Rikers Island, lived in an RV inside 
the jail, yeah. inside the grounds of the jail. You wrote that. How does that work? I don't know how it worked. What do you mean? There was an RV. That's where they lived. I guess they couldn't live actually in the jail, but, uh, you know, probably on the, on the exercise yard or some kind of grounds inside the jail. And they've made two visits so far, uh, and they're going back, and, uh, you know, they're trying to teach them basic issues like communication skills, problem-solving, critical thinking. And uh, according to Tim, we do all kinds of things to build trust and community for the next phase, which is really talking about the effects of fatherlessness, to take these young men through the process of seeing the effects of fatherlessness and then experience the freedom from fatherlessness. He's writing a book about this whole issue uh, and uh, you know how I found out about this? No. You, you, you diss this all the time. I followed Tim Johnson on Facebook. Okay. He posted something about doing this on Facebook. So this didn't have so anything I, to do with your Ashburn Courthouse visit? No, nothing at all. <laughs> okay. No, you need to drop that <laughs> from your memory, okay? I'm not, I'm not going to. You're chewing on the wrong bone. Well, yeah, how can there. I forget? You were on NBC News. How, how can I forget about that? <laughs> okay. So uh, I, I contacted Tim via Facebook message, and then we, we did an interview. And uh, I wrote the column. I thought it was a very interesting column, uh, particularly about two people, particularly Art Monk, that I think a lot of Washington football fans would be interested in. Yeah, I mean, so I read your column, and I didn't know that that's what Tim Johnson, I didn't realize that he was, you know, a pastor living in Orlando. I also, you know, what was a big reveal is that Art Monk lives in Orlando. I didn't know that. Yes. Um, he lives in Orlando. He's been there for a, for a while now, apparently. Yeah. And his son is a youth minister in Tim's church. In Tim Johnson's church. Um, yes. So, you know, Art Monk really of... The biggest star players to ever play for this franchise, fewer words have never been spoken by any of them than by Art Monk. And, you know, his post-career life, you know, I remember when he was involved in the, um, you know, the Amway, New Skin, whatever it was, that multi-level marketing business there for a while right after his career. Um, But other than that, I mean, I don't, uh, Tommy, I don't know that we have ever had Art Monk on any of our shows. I've asked. Oh, no. What'd you say? Well, you know what's funny? I, I doubt that we have. I doubt, I, doubt that, I, I doubt that we have. You know, it's funny. At, at the end of all this, I said to Tim, I said, you know, I'm going to ask you something that, you know, I know what the answer is. But I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you think Art will talk to me about this? And he just started laughing. <laughs> you know, he, just, he just started laughing. I'd say, I know. I know. But but, uh, but I figured I'd ask, you know. But, uh, I mean, I knew already going in, Art wasn't going to talk about this. I think he but did Tim so- was something very with Doc. eloquent about it. Yeah, t- I think t- t- Art did something with Doc maybe a couple of times, you know, many, many years ago. Anyway, the... Um, the the one thing out of the column is what are they specifically doing? I know that they are you know trying to okay. yeah. They they again this paragraph right here they've been working with a group of about fourteen detainees 
We spend the day in jail doing communication skills, problem-solving, critical thinking. We do all kinds of things to build trust and community with the next phase. I mean, they're, they're trying to help these young men uh, develop skills for coping and then eventually bring to them, try to bring the impact of not, ha- what, not having a father, or even if they did have a father, not having a father who was present, uh, did to them. Right. Because, uh, you know, they believe, Tim believes a lot of them are there uh, because of the, of the lack of a father in the house. Well, growing up, there's a lot of data that suggests that um, in terms yeah. of you know who's so, in jail. Go right. Ahead. So here's the, here's the thing I wanted to talk about, though. Yeah. Okay. To turn a positive into a negative, which is one of my gifts. It is. It's what I do. You, I don't think you okay. do anything better. <laughs> Johnson said he is planning a documentary about their work at Rikers. That's great. He also said the Washington Commanders have connected with Johnson and are looking to support the program. Mm. Now, isn't that... That's good, right? That's great. <laughs> okay, okay, but... Now, now, but. Uh, now, now let, me, let, me, let me just point out something. This story should not have been written by me. This story should have been written by somebody who works for the friggin' Washington Commanders. Yeah, but they I wouldn't mean, even they, they are, wouldn't even know who Tim Johnson is. They they'd probably not even be familiar somebody, with Art Monk. They, but they've been in contact with somebody in the organization who says they're 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 gonna work with them to support this program somehow. I didn't include it in there because it seemed kind of frivolous, but Tim said they've already sent some gear to some of the people involved in this, and all I could think of is is these, uh, these, these inmates at Rikers Island walk around with Washington commanders here, and it just seems ridiculous to me. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, but, but my point is, somebody in the organization knows this was going on, mm-hmm. and it, they didn't have the brains to say, wow, this is a great thing. This is two of our former players doing this, and now we're going to be involved in it. We need to let the world know about this, something good. But this you... is this is exactly the kind of shit that they should be, you know, shouting out at at the top of their lungs. But but they're idiots. They are morons. They have no clue <laughs> about how to conduct business. Here he goes, turning a positive into a negative. Um, but it, am I am I wrong? Well, you're wrong. If, if, you're, if you're you're, organ- here's at this point, the effort to get good news out there fails so regularly that they would put out a story about how they are involved with Andy Monk and Tim Jones in their you know in, <laughs> in their Rikers Bay uh, jail uh, effort. And they'd have they'd have thirty five you know other errors and they would be mocked and then Tim oh. and then Tim Johnson and and Art Monk would be calling up uh, saying we don't want you involved anymore, so oh maybe it's God. maybe it's best that they just focus on trying to beat Jacksonville. That's really what they should be focused on. No, oh my God! I guess that, that was the first thing I thought of was saying. My God, if you're a commander, why, why aren't you telling the world about this? You know, your story reminded me of something that I watched, I think, last week or maybe two weeks ago. It was an HBO Real Sports, you know, Bryant Gumbel um, 
segment on this woman. Her name uh, is like Carrie Blaken, Blakinger or something like that. She was um, a, an accomplished figure skater at a young age, was an Olympic hopeful at a young age. Um, she developed all of these drug issues, you know, a uh, lot of uh, psychological um, sicknesses, bulimia, lots of different things were going on there. Um, she essentially ended up on the streets as a heroin addict, as a prostitute, um, somehow got her life back together briefly, incredibly smart. She ended up back at Cornell going to school, but that didn't last long. She attempted suicide and failed. It was one you know, tragic moment after another that ends with her finally getting her life together, having spent time in the prison system, and then starting to help from the outside prisoners who actually are at Rikers Island. Um, prisoner, uh, prisoners who are treated so poorly, so so poorly, trying to improve the treatment um, in big time prison facilities. And Rikers Island was one of the places that they showed her, you know, um, in relationships that she had developed with prisoners that had come forward. And she has, she's a journalist now. She's written for. Um, God, the Houston Chronicle, uh, uh, she was a reporter for the Chronicle. She was a reporter for, I think, the New York Post. Um, It might have been the Daily News, actually. Um, And she uncovered a lot of bad shit going on in prisons and won various journalistic awards. And I don't know, it was actually one of those really, uh, really cool stories. She's incredibly bright, you know, you can tell. Um, And... uh, so, you know, that was a, a negative story that turned positive. Those are the kinds that I like. Yes. I like yeah, those. I know you do. I like to focus on Well, this on is those. a positive story. Yeah. I just can't believe that I was the one that had to tell it, that nobody in the commander's organization who was privy to this knowledge didn't realize the benefits it would have for them to get the word out about this. It's just another, again, just... They, ha- they have just, a lot of things uh, on their mind, I think, right now. I think there are there a lot like if they actually have a to do list on a on a daily basis of like the big things that would that would be like on a future project list. Um, but uh, actually, it's, they should only have one thing on their list every day, and that's to get everything right. Yeah, well, they don't seem to have that. Uh, the one thing on their list more yeah. than anything else should be to have a good football team. Because if they have a bad football team this year, like if this team stinks, it's really over. Like at that point, there's not much of a chance that they're going to recover. Uh, I say that, and that sounds like hyperbole, but I've told you this for years. When you change something like an 87-year-old brand, that was, you know, emotionally attached to an entire market, you know, in in, in such a in such a long lasting, profound way. You better provide a phenomenal product from the jump, or you're in big trouble. And that's just for a normal organization going through what they're going through. They're not normal. They're already down to their last, you know, few people that care. If they don't win this year, if they don't have a legitimate competitive season, it's going to be a disaster for this franchise come you know November, December, and then next year. 
They're, it's it'll you mean be. They won't, they, they won't even have a focus group. <laughs> they, they may not be able to find a, you know a hundred people for a focus group at some Rockville business center. No, they won't be able to do that. We're inviting the first hundred people to respond to come out for a focus group. We're going to ask you about whether or not Trent Williams should be on the next ten for the ninety greatest. Uh, we got hey, we got forty-two responses, so we don't need the big conference room. We need the smaller one. Yeah, I mean, I'm being serious though. They, if this team has a bad season, it's going to be devastating. Already, people hate, can't the majority can't stand the name, can't stand the changes, can't stand the team, and these are people willing to give them a chance. If they suck, they're gone. They're not going to have a chance to recover as a franchise and be a legitimate, you know, uh, NFL player again. They will be, you know, relegated to something below the Premier League. Whatever Ted Lasso's team was, whatever Richmond was before they just got upgraded to the Premier League. Because um, they really will. They'll be like a secondary division NFL team. Anything else? Wow. Yeah, I do got something else for you. Okay. Uh, I, I, I found out that there was some kind of event uh, on today at, at Ghost Town Field. Uh, some kind of business event called Group Fundraising Draft Day. I don't know if it was, if it was the Commanders who did it or somebody else did it, but it was going to be start at one o'clock. And the address they gave is sixteen hundred FedEx Way, North Englewood, Maryland. What? North Englewood, Maryland. Never heard of it. And if you Google North Anglewood, Maryland, it comes up as the stadium, where the stadium is. North Anglewood? Like like Anglewood, L.A.? Anglewood? Anglewood? E-N-G-L-E-W-O-O-D. Huh. North Anglewood. I've never heard this before. Me neither. Maybe they, that's how they, they figure they can hide from the subpoena. They change their address. Yeah. He's in North Englewood. Well, that's somewhere overseas. Yeah. Uh, I've, I, I, I don't, I've never, I've never heard of that. Never. Neither have I. I've heard of Ral John. And also, I've heard of Ral John, yes, which I've heard was of Ralph you know John. the yes. Ralph John combination. His two sons, and you know, yes. but ever since that was uh, done uh, done away with when Snyder bought the team, it's been Landover. Yes, and apparently, the field is a disaster. Because they had a monster jam there on June 11th, which has totally wrecked the field. <laughs> really? Where are you seeing this story? Yeah. I'm looking for this story. Who's got this it's story? It's not a story. It's, 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 it's one of my sources. Okay. It's not a story. What, what was the event about? What, what kind of an event was this? Group fundraising draft day. Uh, uh, they said, quote, we are excited to meet you and learn how we can help you meet your fundraising needs. It's called NPO Draft Day with the best crowd management. So I'm not quite sure. N- kind of NP- NPO Draft Day? N is in Nancy? Yes. yes. P as in Paul. O as in Oscar. 
I can't find anything on this. No, neither can I. Neither can I. But it was at North Englewood, Maryland, which is apparently the address now for the stadium, as they try to fool people. Yeah, I, I don't. That's uh, I don't even know. I mean, I, I can guess what the event was about, but you know, it, but you said it's on the field, and they ruined the field. <laughs> that's great. Um, they got yeah. a, they've got a preseason game there one month from today, basically. Well, August fourteenth. Uh, it's not. Yeah, it's that's, a that's a month from today. Yeah, today's Bastille Day. Okay, uh, I'm done. If you're done, I'm done. Back tomorrow. See ya. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.